the studio, I don't know if it's the same with coverage over there, they're all saying Pascal Gros should have been sent off no. for the penalty. And I was just saying, they got rid of that, it's the double jeopardy thing. I was saying they got rid of that kind of double jeopardy thing ages ago. But as Josh pointed out, they've got both rules running simultaneously. So they got rid of double jeopardy, but also said you can get a red card if you deny goal, if you don't try and play the ball. But anyway, no one said at half time it should have been a red card. Yeah, it's only, it's only because they drew because they weren't. Yeah, because they weren't. Jamie Carragher they weren't winning. Yeah, it's it's bollocks. Get in the bin. Yeah, it feels that way. Um, episode two two nine, which oh, is wow. the last of the two twos, which is suitable for today's two two yeah, fest. Let's hope so. Following on from <laughs> another two two fest the other day. Exactly. Yeah, we've just had all the twos. Um, two 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 draws to cover today. To today, <laughs> um, it is yeah. You're gonna hear that word a lot. Um, that number is everywhere. Uh, so let's start with Marseille. Um, our first ever European away day. Um, at probably well, I would have said the most intimidating of the three before Ajax started trying to burn down their own stadium. Now it may be like slightly on the same level simply because they like want to like bomb their own stadium <laughs> at the expense of anyone and everyone so it's like it's it's <laughs> they're just a bit mental at the moment um but obviously very tough place to go the classic new manager bounce for Gattuso coming in um and a lot of the players we talked about last week rolled out for them uh and it was a rather strong side that came in for the Albion but let's start from the very beginning because our man Robin was there on the scene throughout the day. So I guess the floor is yours, early doors, to just yeah, walk I mean, us through your experience. It was, I flew from Edinburgh on the morning of the game. Um, and the first thing was, it was wild. There were about 12 Brighton fans on our flight from Edinburgh going to the game, which I didn't expect at all. Um, including shout out to a couple of guys if they're listening from Dundee who have only missed two games in the last year. Which is just like it's bonkers. It's that is some commitment bonkers. that um, fair play. So, yeah. They are exactly the sort of type of people that should be going to Marseille. They've yeah, more than earned exactly. it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was good. Flew into Marseille, had no real issues. Some Albion fans did have a few issues. A lot were flying from... Uh, from the UK to Montpellier, which is a couple of hours on the train to Marseille. Um, and someone was hit by a train early on Thursday morning, which basically knackered the trains. So you had 100 or so um, Brighton fans on a flight from Gatwick, including Courtney, Josh, um, who we know, um, who suddenly found themselves in Montpellier with no way of getting to Marseille. Um, so basically had to hire a fleet of taxis slash Ubers to get there, um, which worked. I think it worked out about 50 or 60 quid each. Yeah, so I think, not, yeah, because I think it was like horrendous. between four of them, it was about 220 yeah, something. euros or something. Wasn't it? Um, something like that. So that was good. And yeah, one of our friends, David, who was coming from Toulouse, who'd actually been very organised and said, I'll spend the week in Toulouse and then just go to Marseille on the day of the game. He was on the train that hit someone and he didn't make the game. Oh. So that's pretty brutal. He ended up watching the second half in our hotel that was right next to the stadium. So I can't think of anything much worse than that, to be quite honest. Anyway, yeah, got to Marseille. Um, 
had a obviously a Marseille fan as a taxi driver who was a really nice bloke um knew loads about the club knew loads about Deserby um and similar to us really had no idea how the game was going to go he was sort of like what are your expectations and I said you know got no frame of reference having not played away in Europe before so yeah no idea but genuinely nice chat though he said there'll be no issues you know no history between the clubs you know there'll be no there'll be no problems um, so yeah, decided to go and check into the hotel that was right by the ground and then thought, oh yeah, we'll just get the Metro back into town, which we thought it'll be fine. And it was, I mean, we were not wearing Brighton shirts or anything, but we were clearly speaking English. Um, there were a lot of Marseille fans already milling around outside the ground whilst we were going back the other way. Again, no issues at all. Um, ticket collection took about 30 seconds, um, very well organised by the club. I'm just like seamless you just arrived and it was just there um and then the square they gave us to call it a square um is a little bit <laughs> it's a little bit ambitious uh, i would say uh it was more yeah just marketplace potentially it had one one sort of cafe with outdoor seating a burger king and like a couple of food trucks basically um so we didn't spend a huge amount of time there sounds like a party to me yeah Ukraine, but the only amusing thing was like it was that well you couldn't get into the square like there were right there were sort of riot police dotted around so you couldn't get in without your ticket um and i know that the frame the french police have a particular reputation and i know that certain album fans in other scenarios that we'll probably get onto in a little bit did have some issues of their own but my uh, my own personal uh, dealings with them they were they were brilliant they um, as we were walking into the square one of them sort of stopped us and went palace fan um which was just sort of obviously don't know who'd briefed them but it was like it was a it was a sort of slightly disarming um slightly disarming moment but yeah tried to get onto these buses um straight away which was just bedlam just i mean no what like just the buses were kind of turning up there was no indication as to it wasn't like here. Here you need to wait for the buses. Like this will be where bus one, two, three, four is. It's like literally, you know, when you're waiting for a tube and you're not quite sure where the doors are going to open. So it's kind of your best guess as to where the bus is going to stop. So it's literally everyone's lining up waiting for these buses, and it kind of just depended on how close you were to a door of a bus that arrived as to whether you were going to get on one or not. Um, luckily, we we got on one about quarter past four or something like that. Um, I just want to jump in, Mike, Mikey in the chat. Welcome back, Mikey in the chat. Feels like a long time since I've said that. Mikey was also in Marseille. He's talking about a pub that took cash only with the only cash machine charge in six euros to withdraw some cash. Something Correct. tells me that that was a uh, that's a calculated maneuver there. Yeah, that's decision. a little yeah, that's um, a little like FIFA esque backhander there. That is yeah. That is. <laughs> Um, that was so yeah. Getting onto the buses um, for a journey that should have taken twenty minutes and took us just over an hour and a half. Um, to be honest, it was wholly deliberate. The route I'm now, I was following the route on Google Maps, and we were going. It was an enormous circle. Um, partly, I think, because obviously they wanted. I think, from a practical point of view, they didn't want everyone trying to go through the turnstiles at once. So I think it was a deliberate ploy to kind of make it that you arrived at the ground and you pretty much were in the turnstiles and in. Um, but yeah, very annoying, a very bizarre situation, obviously full police escort, you know, three or four buses going at a time, full police escort, roads closed. Like every road you went past, every carriageway closed. Um, 
it's a really bizarre experience. I was saying to someone, like, I'd love every away game to be like that. You arrive in the middle of a city and they just literally bust you to the ground and close all the roads. Like, from that perspective, it was brilliant. We had to stop to, to let both team buses go past us in the traffic, which was brilliant, actually. Um, Deserby, we were on bus and Deser- the first Brighton bus goes past and Deserby clocked that we were Brighton fans and was like fist pumping, going absolutely mad, um, as you'd expect. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely fine. When we got quite close to the stadium, the whole road was obviously lined with Marseille fans, gestures, et cetera, et cetera. But it was, to be honest, it was more pantomime. <laughs> Um, than anything else at that point. Um, Thankfully, it mostly is, right? Yeah, like, it I really think was. All, I mean, like, there, was no, there was no... Mar- I didn't see any Marseille fans around the square. You know, it was nothing like that. Straight into the ground. Um, and, yeah, we got in about an hour and an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff, something like that. Um, by an hour before kickoff, they'd run out of beer, um, which was slightly irritating. And the only way you could get any any drinks was... Can you imagine how it is at the Amex? You've got like the food stations, right? Imagine that there's a shutter down and there's a window about as big as an iPad screen through which you have to be ordering and being served your food. Like a prison, like like a prison cell kind of like slapped to uh, to get everything. So yeah, didn't really waste much time trying to do that. Um, and to be honest, yeah, the, 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 the scale of the stadium. Um, I'd watch some of the Rugby World Cup games on there that were played there but yeah enormous enormous ground um and yeah just to watch the the kind of the ultras filtering in um both ends of the ground different groups um and what was bizarre is i was kind of looking the the end of the ground towards where we were the lower tier was like half empty like even quite and i was like what is going on and then courtney pointed out it was like everyone in the lower tier was climbing the fences to get into the upper tier. So the upper tier is like literally creaking under the weight of about one and a half times the amount of people who should be in this upper tier. Um, Like just mad. You could see them like their mates are like hauling them up these fences, etc. Um, and this is this is the Marseille fans or the Albion? Fans? Yeah, this is Marseille fans. So, like, okay, ultras, thank God. Get, At like, least it. At yeah, least, least it's Marseille. Like, but, oh God, you just, you can see it, can't you? Like, all the But yeah, I mean, it was really idiots. like the kind of the thing. And I'd say the noise is like, the noise was deafening. Like you couldn't hear yourself think. It's that level of noise. Um, and I turned to Courtney, I was with, and he was, I was like, my own, I was like, my only, my only wish for today is that we don't have another Aston Villa. That's why, literally, as the game kicked off, I was like, I just don't want another Villa. Let's be fine. And then Q, 20 minutes in, it's like, fuck, it's another Villa. And we've travelled quite a long way for this. Um, But, I mean, we looked like rabbits in the headlights for the first 20, 25 minutes. And to be honest, I don't blame them at all because the atmosphere was like, literally every time Albion fans tried to sing the thing, every time our players got the ball, we just got the whistling which is obviously something we don't get in England. Like every Marseille, like just like, you know, consistent loud whistling. And I was like, I almost wondered whether they'd done any training with Deserby just playing really loud whistling over a loudspeaker. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was just, you know, you don't, it's just getting used to that. Um, and they looked really good. I mean, obviously they came flying out of the, flat the craps as you'd expect. Um, Katuso was like kicking every ball from the technical area. 
Um, weird point on that, the technical areas in France, I don't think it's the same ever in Europe, are massive. They're like halfway down the... They're like halfway they down the They did look pier. very big, yeah. Like enormous um, amounts. It was um, crazy, yeah. I, really I, like, because there was numerous times where I saw Deserbi and other... like And Gattuso like, might, like, almost like on the pitch. And I was just like, he's going to get booked. And then I realised there was like a dotted white line like next yeah, to him. And I'm like, he's still like, somehow in round like, like... Yeah, it was massive. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Dunk just made, you know, a bit of a... Yeah, let's let's talk about that um, because obviously the first twenty two minutes, I think you're right. Like it did feel like we were a little bit deer in the headlights. He like, yeah, we had a little bit more possession, bit but like you know, all the stats are a little bit more in our favor, except for the main one, right? And that shots they had five to add nothing, three on. And they were winning every. They seemed to win every second ball, and yep. they seemed to win the ball back really quickly. So it was that relentless cycle of like we just couldn't, just couldn't keep hold of the ball. And Craig, I'll ask you this because we watched it against Villa and we just watched it against Marseille and I was so happy to not see it today against Liverpool. Uh, But this just standing there waiting for us to play the ball from the goalkeeper is going to become something we probably see a fair bit this year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think there's we we said before the Marseille game, I was like, please don't be starstruck with this European stuff. Like, please just go ahead and, and play your game. But that it must be hard because it yeah the, the stadium looked incredible on TV I'm sure it looked even better in person so uh, yeah it, there are some bits going around saying you know we've been found out and I think some of it is partially true but I I, I think everyone knew that anyway it, it was just that people couldn't really stop it from happening even though they knew how to um, but you know we we've come up against some really good teams you know Villa and Marseille are, are no joke um, and you know we'll come on to Liverpool in a bit but. Some of these teams are going to be able to find out. Find out, you know, we're not going to run in, run into every game and just blow people over with this tactic. So, um, it's nice to see Dezobi in the last couple of games mix things up a little bit, and I'm sure we'll go into that. But first twenty minutes, absolute stinker. Um, I'm glad they were able to to find their feet and change things up a little bit. Yeah, we. I mean, the first goal, classic set piece, right? Like comes from a set piece, and then we've now seen. I really were and either of you. Well, I'd love to hear from both of you really on this. Like, what is going on? We have now had three games back to back: Villa, Marseille, and now Liverpool, where we can we seem to be offering a buy one get one free on goals conceded. Like, this is crazy. And we did it against Villa to go from one to two nil down. We did it against Marseille in the exact same way, and we did it today against Liverpool. And it is just crazy. Like, what is going on here? Like, it's not sustainable at all. No, it's not. Um, I think, to an extent, there's a there is there is an element of coincidence in there. I'm not. I think obviously there's there is a mentality thing there, but I think it's happened against three teams who. Whenever I watch, I haven't watched so much of Marseille, but Liverpool and Villa, they tend to, like, when they score, they really put their foot on the gas more than a lot of other teams. Like, often one becomes two. So I think to an extent, we're suffering from just the run of teams that we've been playing against. But there's definitely a, there's definitely something there. I mean, part of it, I think, is what we talked about last week, which is that we don't have a defined first choice back five that we know are going to be there 
you know, consistently. But yeah, it was, and it's a lot of it, and it's, it's some of it is just random, unconnected, uncharacteristic errors that players are making as well. Like Dunkies won the other day, you know, Dunkies, Dunkies again won today. today. Right. Um, like uh, that's 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 the crazy thing. Mikey in the chat says it like uh, he does find it ironic that we've got the leakiest defense in the league now. And Southgate chooses to call up Dunk after we've been spending years on this podcast, Craig, like saying like Dunk is yeah. doing call up. And now like he's probably at his worst form wise that we've seen in a while. And he's yeah. playing for England. Yeah, I, I think Dunk always makes people look better right but i think he's he's going through i think the whole defense is going through this and, and to robin's point is the rotation here compared to a consistent back four that you're going to have um is tricky now you can you can replace one but when you're making wholesale changes week in week out to your to your back four or your back five and you're putting igor instead of van hecker you're putting webster in instead of donk you're doing lamptey instead of altman um, you've got est opinion and no one else so it you know, when you're doing that wholesale rotation, it's, it kind of is one too many. Um, what, what you would like to see is what Liverpool do, is you you replace Matip with Gomez. And uh, and that's the only change you make because it, it has to stay structured. So, yeah, uh, and I think Dunk came out today, we'll come on to Liverpool, of course, but like it just seems, yeah, that we're sort of rabbit in the headlights as always. It's a cliche, but it's true that you know as soon as we go one nil down we're kind of like okay well the game plan has to change now because there, there is no baiting anymore right you you kind of have to push uh you can't get them to to press you because they don't want to because they're already winning so um that's why it's so important for us to always get the first goal and i, I think we've we've referenced it previously is that if we go one nil up I feel so much more confident. Of course I do. I, it's a stupid thing to say, but like you feel so assured that it's not going to go wrong. And um, meanwhile, you know, once they get one, you go, well, how many are going to be in this? It's like buses, right? So it, it's it's a weird one. And it's just happened to happen three times in a row now. Um, I'd like to see it stop. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I don't know how, how you stop that. Because if you do give up the first goal, they're not going to start pushing and then we play into their hands a little bit. And that's why the Zerbi's having to mix it up with the Marseille and the Liverpool game. Yeah, I mean, it's good that we've got a nice easy one next week, isn't it? To uh, Or the week after, whenever it is. Just, just a reset. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little yeah. reset button. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the first... I don't know what happened after 25, 30 minutes, whether De Zerbi got a message on from the sidelines, whether we settled into the game, whether we thought, fuck it, we're going to have to go for this. Otherwise you know, this game's going to get away from us. But it was like something, it was like a, a switch was flicked because all of a sudden we started to string a few passes together. We looked a lot more composed on the ball. We weren't giving up possession so much. And arguably we should have gone in at halftime 3-2 up. I mean, Welbeck has to score, has to either score that or he has to square it. Just, like, yeah. Oh, there's like... no other way. Like, it just has to be a goal. Um, Dahoud's little outside of the boot flick through for Ansu Fati that was a really good header and a really good save. Any other day that's in. And Solly March has a really good chance as well. So suddenly in that 15-minute period, um, we could have gone in level or in front. So it was weird. The good news is it continued too, right? Like That's basically how the rest of the game went. And I think... One of the big turning points was probably Veritu getting hurt um, because that midfield duo was 
doing very well in that first half and dictating a lot of play. And I think when he went off hurt, it went from, you know, like we were able to pick our chances. And then after that, like we were winning every individual battle, it felt like. Then that's basically when we went along. And, and of course, if, if there's ever going to be a first goal scorer in our first away European game, there's only one man that's going to be popping up, isn't there? Like Pascal Gross, of course, once again, uh, popping the ball into the back of the yeah, net good to finish. back into the game. Yeah, I think Lant. I mean, Lancy did. Lancy was my man of the match um, by a comfortable distance, um, but he did really well to keep the ball in. Um, but yeah, good finish and yeah, kind of back in it. And then I think we almost immediately then nearly went three-one down, didn't we? With the long ball over the top, um, you just think, here we go again. It's kind of classic, you know. In the Aston, that was the Aston Villa narrative. I thought, here we go. We've kind of fortuitously got back into it. Um, and then you get hit on the counter-attack and you think, oh, especially when he cuts inside and you think there's no, no. way that not scoring from here. And then Lewis Dunk pulls out one of his couple of season, couple of times a season, you know, blocks from nowhere. I mean, it was... I, I mean, that's the sort of reason why he's getting called up for England. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. At the end of the day, like, there's no one else that can make blocks like that. I, I, just astoundingly good. Um Marseille did come back into it, didn't they? In that after after the gross goal, um, and then uh, some substitutions were made, uh, and the lad that we're probably going to be talking about a lot uh, this weekend, um, Mr. Jao Pedro, comes on. We said last week, I think most of us were pretty much in agreement that he we want him starting as many games as possible because he looks like he changes a game, and didn't he just change this one, Craig? Like I don't know about yeah. you, but like. It was an immediate change with the way he was pressing, running, like just unbelievable. It's just the the energy, isn't it? I, I think for those that listened last week, it's just the like, the dynamism that, that he brings and what he does. Like his pressing is great. Like his passing is dribbling. He can hold onto the ball. He can sprint. Like it's just, yeah, at, at 21 or 22 now, whatever he is, it's, it's outrageous. But um, yeah, he, he needs to start all the time. Uh, and we, we saw that today as well. But yeah, as soon as he comes on, changes it, just gives us a little bit something different in between the, the midfield and, and the front. Uh, and it, you go on and, and get a penalty at the end of it. I've noticed this thing he does, Robin, and I, I don't know if you saw it like in the stadium, if, if you've been able to figure out this magic he does, because like, he's done it numerous times now where... He'll get the ball out wide, like on the edge of the box, either side of the box, really. He doesn't seem to care. And he'll be facing the touchline. And then, like, he'll stand still and then he'll move. And all of a sudden, he's, like, three steps inside the box facing goal. He did it twice against Liverpool today. Yeah, yeah. Like, the kid is just, like, it's it's incredible. it's like a magi- it's like a sleight of hand magician, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like that's genuine. It you can all you see is the end. All you see is the starting point and the end result, and you don't see the bit in the middle. But I agree with you. It's like, and I think obviously defenders haven't yet got any idea um, how to how to prevent it. But you're right. I mean, that was the he came on and changed. You know, changed the game. Gilmore, similar, I thought was pretty neat and tidy and got us on the front foot um, a bit more. And then, of course, yeah, Lamptey. Um, I mean, the French press the next day were raging about the penalty. Absolutely yeah, I, I'm assuming we're all of, like, it was absolutely a pen, though. Like, the yeah, contact was so blatant as well. Like, yeah. 
um it was and then as we talked about i mean i i know we've been on this adam obviously wasn't quite ready to yet declare jao pedro as the you know the ice cool <laughs> penalty man i've been saying it from literally the first penalty he took um even in that atmosphere you know last minute of the game 2-1 down you know the historic moment literally everything you want to fling at this argument i stood there and i was 100% confident he was going to score 100% like i did, there was not a sh- I did not have a shred of doubt that he wasn't going to score. And that's bonkers because we talked about it. You know, we've had, you know, we've had a patchy history with penalty takers. McAllister was, you know, we got to the point where we, McAllister was pretty much, you know, nailed on. He was the guy, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, all I can say, that that's all I can say is I, I didn't have a shred of doubt that he wasn't going to score. Craig, how about you? Did you feel the same confidence? In the 88 minute, I was about to say, I don't think it's Adam, I think it's me that I needed a little bit more convincing. But um, yeah, he, he did a good job in convincing me that time. I, I still, like, I'm one of those people that can't really watch penalties anyway. I know the Zerbi turns around as well. Um, like, I, I hate them a lot. Um, but yeah, I think if you can do it in the 88th minute away to Marseille, then I'm pretty sure you'll be able to do it most other times. So uh, yeah, I... Just they're increasingly confident. I think, yeah, he's just ice cold, isn't he? And then to twenty-one have, years old as well. Yeah, exactly. Then to stand in front of the Marseille ultras, giving it the <laughs> <laughs> giving it that um, was, you know, quality. And it looked like from our end, obviously, then Dunk. I don't know how much it showed on the TV, but Dunk was then on the floor, mm. um, and we all assumed that he'd been hit by something thrown from the crowd. Um, because it was obviously you know, they were all celebrating down that end, and then literally suddenly Dunkey's on the floor. Turned out he fainted. Oh, great! So not quite sure why. And then he was then obviously immediately kind of back up because he then took the free kick. You know what? Probably a couple of minutes later into injury time. Um, yeah. But then was getting treatment at the end. Um, you know, was sort of down down at the end. So I don't know. But yeah, fainted. Um, definitely. Fainted. And he played again today and looked fine. So yeah. It's I mean, all a very odd one. It was but... a very odd one. And, you know, I was getting greedy, but actually, can you imagine if Lewis Dunk had just knuckleballed a free kick into the top corner in stoppage time? I mean, that would have just been <sighs> too much to ask, as it turns out. But yeah. I think if there was ever a moment where um, where that would have been a nice outcome, it was I that. have to say, yeah. I'm over this experiment of Lewis no, I am as well. lining up with dangerous free kicks. I don't know who you want. Like, why is Pascal Gross not taking these free kicks? Like, he scored I, one against. Did he score? Was it West? Scored one in the Amex. Or was it Southampton at home? He scored one sure. at the Amex in the Premier League. That was an absolute thunderbolt. I just, um, I don't understand. Like, we've got a lot of players that can hit the ball well. Yeah, and like, I know Dunkey loves Didier, and like, he, he loves that idea, to, doesn't he? Like, yeah. he loves the idea that he can do what Drogba used to do and basically created like this this weird side foot flat knuckleball thing but like and i'm sure he practices it a lot but like we've got to get this ball out of lewis's hands haven't we like we have yeah we today really today like that free yeah, kick yeah. was in a really nice area like give it to Al pedro give it to solly march like give it to anyone like let's just stop giving it to lewis dunk or if you're going to give it to lewis dunk how about give him a layoff first so he can like, yeah exactly hit yeah. it because like he's just clowning the wall like immediately like every time like someone is getting hurt every single time. Yeah, it is. 
But, you know, from 2-0 down, you know, even before the game started, I raced into the sunset with a point. So, you know, from 2-0 down, it's a good result. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was the only time, you know, when the first goal went in, if you look at the Marseille Ultras, like either they weren't watching the game or they didn't care because they didn't miss a beat. You know, normally, like, in an English ground, as a goal goes in and you get a little bit of, like, apprehension. Yeah. Nothing. It was like nothing had happened as far as they were concerned. Then the second goal goes in, and that's the only time where it was like, oh, okay. Because I think they'd done the same at the weekend, weren't they? They'd they had, yeah. The weekend. So they hadn't won since August. Apparently, this was their first... Tax drivers telling us this was their first sellout of the season. So it was supposed to be when they reset. So, yeah, that was the only time they looked a little bit, a little bit miffed. Um, and, yeah, I was saying in the chat, their English was definitely good enough to understand 2 0 and you fucked it up. Because um, that got a bit of a reaction <laughs> um, from, from, the, uh, from the guys. And there's a brilliant video, I think we shared it in our chat, of. Um, of Marseille fans obviously giving the Albion bench shit for the entire game and then a penalty going in and Carlos Baleba shushing them which was I mean it's obviously he might I don't know whether he's got any history from when he was playing for Lille with them but they were obviously that was my thought too like I feel like he probably felt more at home than most to be able to just like go with these people (laughs) Um, but yeah and then obviously trying to so the game itself you think fine we've rescued a point yeah you know absolutely fine um and yeah then having to wait an hour and a half to get out of the stadium was slightly uh slightly irritating it's a bit bizarre because we were on the top tier um and yeah couldn't even get down to the lower tier for a while it's literally like the police were just blocking the staircases proper health and safety nightmare like no one controlling like people coming from the stand into the queue so it was a proper like it was genuine after about an hour it was genuinely quite claustrophobic and there were like people, like people obviously like dehydrated, just not a nice, not a nice situation. And then I think there were some that were kept back. If you were towards the back of that queue again, you know, you weren't back at the hotel till midnight. I think the last one's got back and the game finishes at what? Half eight, half eight French time, something like that. Um, but yeah, not, not nice. Um, not nice atmosphere up there. And I dread to think what it would have been like if we'd have lost. Like obviously everyone was in pretty good spirits because of you know what we'd the circumstances of the game, but feels like a winner, doesn't it? Like we've yeah, been really, there. Like, like late does. late equaliser always feels like a winner. Yeah, it was, and like does. I remember being there at like a Northampton away game, and Akin Fenwa scored two in like four minutes to go from two 0 to two two, and like it was the worst go home like yeah. in Northampton as well. Yeah, like it's of all dreadful. places. Yeah, so to wait there for an hour and a half um, was irritating. Then getting down, that was the point. That was the one bit of the day where the club were brilliant throughout. I mean, obviously organising the ticket collection, they had their own English-speaking kind of stewards or staff, like directing everyone. End of the game, nowhere to be seen. That's the, if I'm going to, and I'm not criticising the club because it's the first time they've, you know, it's the first time I've done this, but constructive feedback would be to have some would have been to have some people there because to be honest the french police again they were fine i know there's a video going around that some of the papers have picked up of an albion disabled disabled albion fan who was pushed over you know and is sort of lying there on the floor for a while which is obviously horrendous um 
but again my my experience of them of the police was that they were very friendly they just didn't have they just didn't have the information to tell us it wasn't they were being deliberately you know sort of obstructive or anything like that it was like they genuinely just didn't know and there were buses coming to pick people up but it was a relatively small number of buses so you pick people up then you go back into the center and then you have to come back to fetch everybody else and they didn't know, just didn't know when buses were going to come i mean we were quite lucky in that our hotel was right by the ground so we were thinking I really don't want to have to get a bus back into the center of town to then have to try and come back to the hotel so the first policeman we spoke to we said look our hotel's just there mate there's no marseille fans on the street mate finished an hour and a half ago can we just go and walk you know the 200 meters of the hotel and the first the first french policeman's like no absolutely not we've got to wait for the bus and then so we're in the queue and then i don't think it was a different because in france they, have, they seem to have like three or four different police forces um which is really confusing so this other guy i don't know if it was from a higher police force or just a different police force went to have a little said look hotel's just over there um can we go and he was like yeah fine so we sort of managed to get out of the cordon and walk and they say it's a two it's a 200 meter walk and there was odd marseille fans dotted around you know as you'd see an hour and a half after the ground but absolutely fine got back to the hotel um loads of marseille fans in the hotel all absolutely fine had beers with them in the hotel no problem at all robert perez strolled into the hotel which is a bit of a bonus. The suavest man I've ever seen. Like, genuinely makes David Beckham look like the Wilston Raider. Like, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Like, this man, like, genuinely looked like he just walked off the set of a Bond film. Just never seen any, like, just, yeah, no words. The suavest man of all time. Um, and he was brilliant. Like, all the French fans, obviously, sort of, sort of, um, getting involved he was like um yeah offering photos selfies etc he was standing at the hotel reception so checking i think he'd done tv for the game or something so he's standing in checking in at the hotel and there's obviously someone checking in next door to him and he sort of turns this person's like all right yeah do you want a do you want a photo i don't know this person probably the one person in the hotel that had no idea who he was um but yeah it was really friendly and all the fans in there were you know i say absolutely fine you know just as you'd expect Good. So, I mean, that's I good. That's good, right? Like, that's what we yeah, wanted. That's what we wanted. <laughs> and I think there were, obviously, there were some flashpoints on Wednesday night, I think, talking to a few fans who'd been there on the Wednesday. But even that seemed to be more police getting maybe a little bit spooked at the prospect of there being. I think it was probably over exuberance on the part of fans who are at bars or whatever. And obviously, the police getting a little bit spooked at the prospect that something might kick off. But Again, from what everything that I saw, um, one, it was just so heavily policed that there was never going to be any any issues. Um, and yeah, two police were very, um, in my experience, they were very, very reasonable. Um, a lot of fans were having selfies with the riot police after the game, and they were really happy to take photos and just have a bit of a chat Um I don't know, obviously, we weren't one of the ones who got left there for two hours after, you know, another two hours later. So I don't know if it got a bit tetchier, you know, the longer that people had to wait. But certainly from from our perspective, it was it was absolutely fine. Um, good. So, yeah, good, good trip all round. And it was, yeah, it was still bonkers. I mean, still doesn't really sink in that you've gone to watch the Albion play away in, you know, one of the most hostile grounds in Europe, arguably. Um but but yeah, I mean, you did have the odd. So you had a lot of um, 
a lot of fans who were in the ground, obviously trying to goad the the Marseille ultras, etc. And you know, most of them looking about twelve years old and thinking, mate, you know, of course, yeah, the the, the standard stuff that you, that you know that you're always going to get. Um, but the big know, boys they, on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. The big, boy, the big boys on Twitter with their player avatars. Yeah, yeah, all of that, like that. I, but actually, you know what the nicest thing was is that, you know, I saw probably, I probably saw 50, maybe 15, 20 people that I've seen at Albion Games, you know, regularly over the last 25 years. So it genuinely, the people there were genuinely the ones that I remember seeing at, you know, Northampton and Carlisle and Exeter and Crewe and Walsall and all these places. So it was nice that, you know, there was this kind of, you know, sort of, like movie like arc sort of narrative arc to it that actually you know there was a lot of people who've been there from the you know been there through all of the the kind of the low points um who were there enjoying it which is really nice and i think there was a lot of other people in the same boat you know seeing people you hadn't seen for a while and literally everyone just you didn't really need to say a word it was kind of everyone just like waving to someone and just pointing around going like and that was just (laughs) basically it so it was a really nice just a really nice experience that obviously, you know, it's easy to say, but I don't think the result would have necessarily diminished the experience an awful lot. I know it's easy to say once you've come back from 2-0, etc., but on on some levels, I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference. And I think final shout out, obviously, to Tony Bloom. I think you're probably aware of the fans who were on the delayed flight from Heathrow, um, which was, I think it was running four hours behind schedule which tony bloom was on um and his uncle ray uh were on it as well um, and he obviously he managed to arrange for coaches to take those fans pretty much direct to the ground so i think they missed a few i think they missed maybe 15 20 minutes of it but to get the in, worst bit then really that's basically perfect. yeah they did they missed the worst <laughs> bit so even that like his organizational powers extend to even being able to miss miss out conceding goals the bad. pretty good and obviously Love he came that. on the tannoy. Uh, you've probably seen the video that came on the tannoy on the plane um, and said, paraphrasing, but I said he's something like, this isn't your captain speaking, Lewis Dunks at the velodrome, something like that, which is quite it's a nice line. Um, but yeah, I mean, hats off to him again. You know, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. It's what you'd expect from Tony. Um, and, you know, he could have, you know, he could have looked after himself and, you know, just had a car waiting and Wisdom, you know, gone off to the ground and, you know, he's all right, but. I think everything we know about Tony um, and his family, um, you wouldn't expect anything less. So, yeah, yeah, that's off to the Good review. Good review of Marseille away. Yeah. Uh, Let's plug our friends at Green King here uh, in the bridge. Um, So for the 23-24 season, uh, Together BHA is sponsored by Green King Sport, uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, Green King sports venues are showing every televised fixture over the course of this season. That means Liverpool today was available at your local Green King. Uh, so instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, uh, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Uh, Green King Sport have just recently launched uh, the Green King Sport Instagram uh, about three-ish weeks ago, page uh, that will be home to all fan content deals, competitions throughout the season. Uh, So drop them a follow on Instagram um, and you won't just be the first to know about all this, but you'll be helping out us as a podcast as well. 
together BHA on Instagram as well. We need to grow that channel badly because if Elon decides to lose his shit and press the off button at any point, that's probably going to be the logical move place. Uh, so if you could follow together BHA and Green King Sport, that would be great. Uh, so moving on to Liverpool today, um, they played same day as us, a couple of hours after, right? Barely any difference, really. Um, and there was going to be... Uh, that obvious talk of how can we deal with the squad depth and the rotation. Uh, Solly March filling in at left back, Purvis Estepinion out for about a month. Thankfully, the international break is quite a large chunk of October. Oh, correct. Correction, about eight or nine weeks. At least two of those weeks is international break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tarek Lamptey deputised very well uh, in Marseille. Um, and let's just jump straight into Liverpool. Craig, were you, are you feeling confident with Solly March at left back as well? No. Um, <laughs> but I, I think he, the times that Lamptey has filled in at that left back role, he has been arguably the man of the match whenever he does, right? So, so there's a natural tendency to go, oh, well, if Lamptey's completely out of the squad, then, you know, we're up shit creek without a paddle, right? So, um, but we know Solly's a defensive winger or he can be a defensive winger. Um so it, was I was I happy or no? Was I concerned? Yes, a little bit because this constant rotation that we're talking about with Marseille and Villa and, and Liverpool and having to do this Thursday Sunday um, and making wholesale changes um, just doesn't obviously doesn't fill me with confidence in any way. Um, well, we'll come on to how well he did and, and how he played, but um, I don't want to see Solly March at left back. So um, the answer was I really wasn't too confident. Um, but I was more confident in having Gross uh, and Belieber starting as well. Um, so so that sort of eased my concerns a little bit. Uh, I always, always ask for that like, combative element that, that Lamptey does bring as well because he's high energy. So you need that if Lamptey's not going to be there. Um, and, and thankfully, if we add that. But on the whole, yeah, it's, it's changes and changes, right? Um, that's what you get when you didn't buy a left back in the summer. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, isn't it just? Um, we did also see uh, a front duo of Jao Pedro and Evan Ferguson, something that I think a lot of us have been keen to take a look at this season. Um, and this is something is not right in Evan Ferguson world, I'm going to be the first to say. And he hasn't been since the ball was kicked this season. He's just seemed off. Like he doesn't, he just seems like a second off the pace, a second off the reading of the game. Like his shots are not this, like everything is just off with Evan Ferguson. Do you two feel the same way? And like, I I don't know what's going on. Um, I know that Deserby has already said he had like a fitness issue at the start of the season because he was dealing with something like some injury was, I think it was a quad injury or something like that. He had something that was like, causing him irritation, so he was, like, being careful with rotating him. Um, but this is not the same Evan Ferguson, is it, that we've that we've got used to seeing coming on the scene? Is it – do you think there is something going on physically or mentally in the background, or do you think this is – you know, you can't always operate at the level he was at the end of last season levels, or do you think it's just – the rotation hurting him, like what? I think it's a combination of all of that. Obviously, he came into the season having had an injury, which is not going to help yeah. him. He's obviously been unwell recently. They didn't say what it was. I'm assuming he had COVID. I'm going to assume he had it because what was it? The Athens game. 
that he was came in and then just... yeah you and me both evan um, <laughs> we both so, we both came out of that worst yeah. nowhere. <laughs> um i think he's he's clearly he was clearly unwell and you know is i think he then had two consecutive 45 minutes didn't he after that he just clearly looks a bit knackered so i'm wondering whether he's still feeling the effects of covid and clearly he burst onto the scene and was playing at a really high level which is as you say difficult to maintain i mean still scored a hatch against newcastle so he's not been he's not been totally <laughs> kind of totally off it but yeah i think it's i think it's just a, it's an unfortunate combination of of factors and you know you could argue that actually maybe him having a break from having the international break off would be good from the perspective that he's clearly been struggling a bit but at the same point if he goes off to ireland and you know scores a few goals then is that going to be is that going to have a more positive impact overall but i'm with you i'm sort of i think i don't think i'm going as far as you josh but there's certainly something certainly something a little bit off and if i had to put my finger on it i'd suggest he's probably just not fully recovered from covid i mean you from your perspective you know how you felt still for a couple of weeks after if you're a professional athlete trying to do it at the top level in the premier League, a little bit off it um i can imagine it takes it out of you so yeah i'm reserving judgment um for the moment oh is he he's 19 now right like yeah. you're asking you're asking for a high level and a very consistent <laughs> a very consistent level of performance whilst not playing every game so you know it with the illness is one thing but even if you aren't ill i'm using that dreaded rotation <laughs> word again right but if you're not playing every game and you're not getting into that regimen or or that sort of consistency um and you're you're playing 45 minutes here you're playing 20 minutes here um and you're you're not getting consistent game time or or playing with the same players uh it, it can have an impact as well so uh it's the pros and cons of rotation really uh, and just european football in general combine that with the fact that he's a 19 year old guy and we're expecting him to score 20 goals a season um he's gonna have his days where he, he's not 100 and that's fine another young, young starter mr dingra however uh had a heck of a start to the game and pretty much an entire game didn't he he, he was excellent throughout um but for such a young lad he is incredibly smart at times, uh, and it's just exemplified in the goal that puts us 1-0 up. Uh, obviously, horrible ball from Allison, like just or like just a hospital pass, if there ever was one, uh, into the return in Alexis McAllister's feet. Um, promptly robbed, pickpocketed immediately by Adingra. And how, just how clever was that finish to just make the decision he did Play, like just everything about it was just absolute perfection, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, it, it's sort of what you wanted Jao Pedro to do at Chelsea when Sanchez presented him with the ball. Like it's in that situation, I think most goalkeepers in that situation are thinking they're going to get lobbed. So that's what they're on the lookout for. So to just, as you say, have the the calmness to think, oh, actually, I've got like half the goal to aim at. I don't really need to do anything daft here. It's one of the situations where. The easy, what is actually the easiest option looks like it's the clever one, if that makes sense. Like he's done something that you go, oh, that's brilliant. But actually, it's the simplest option at that point. You keep it low, you keep it away from the goalkeeper. There's no risk of it going over. You've got loads of the goal to aim at. But you say for a kid who's not played a huge amount in the Premier League, to, you know, to, to deliver that under pressure with not much time to think about it, 
was brilliant. But he's done that. I mean, in pre-season, we scored. What was it? Brent, who scored a couple of goals against Brentford? One of his goals in the Brentford game. Newcastle, was, I think, wasn't Newcastle, it? Was it whichever, Newcastle, one scored a, whichever one he scored a couple of goals in, there was one of his You goals were there for this. Whatever one it was, Craig, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, was yeah, it, it, was, it was Brentford. Yeah, like the, the, the steel ball over the top. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and similar. It, and that's the thing, like... The decision making, right? If if any other guy does that and misses horribly, you go, "What a terrible decision that you just made! Why didn't you carry that ball forwards and have a better shot on goal?" Right? And I think that's where his technical level is so good that you know that sort of level of decision making is backed up by him actually being able to do it. And um, so he he is that sort of he's thinking, "All right, yeah, just I'll just hit it from here. Like, why not?" Um, yeah. Whilst, whilst the, I guess a more traditional striker or a more traditional winger would probably fancy their chances by taking a couple of extra touches. And um, so it, it's just a, I guess, a, a different way of thinking or maybe just that level of risk or anticipation that he's just able to do. But for 21 years old and for him to come in, obviously he had a, an amazing year in Belgium last year anyway, but um, for him to come in and start playing at the level that he is, and it'll take time, it always does, but like, that Matoma and Adingra on either side is starting to look pretty interesting, especially if Jao Pedro is in the middle. That attacking options are, are really good. So I thought he did really well today. And he had, I mean, he had Andy Robertson on toast for most of the game. Yeah. Instead yeah. that's a player who's... Especially top top of the second half. Like, it was yeah, almost it was like just... our only game plan was yeah, like, let's get it over. <laughs> and I know Andy Robertson's obviously, he's not at the level that he was operating at maybe a couple of years ago. But, you know, this is still someone who was, what, Liverpool captain... Um, and you know, has been their first. He's a very left good left back. Yeah, like, he's, he's a but, very good left back. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's been that. He's basically won everything. Well, he has won everything <laughs> with Liverpool. Um, and you know, Adingra is just not quite with Scotland. No, not quite. Um, but you know, Adingra is bursting past him like he's not there. Yeah, to be honest. I mean, there and, was know, one moment late in that second half where I like, I think he. Uh, like, I don't know whether he megged him or what he did, but it was just like he got because the sun was on the TV. Yeah, camera, I know so the like, one you're talking yeah, about. I oh see. my god! Like he just—that's uh, I've. Was that the setup? I'm sad I wasn't there. Been Jao Pedro's winner. That that is yeah. I'm sad I wasn't there because of the stupid train strikes today. Because that would have been right in front of me to be able to see that. Like if Jao Pedro good, puts that in, that which obviously you know we should have done. But if he puts that in, that becomes you know that's an incredible assist. Created oh yeah, like yeah. that's going to be on TV for ages. Yeah. Um, but but, he uh, did really well. but my only point on March, on actually having March there, was that him and Matoma both attacking together down the left caused Liverpool all sorts of problems. They couldn't deal with having both of them there. So it, it's difficult because obviously Mark, both of their goals came from pretty much the left back area i mean obviously salah's got so much space for that first goal there's not much you know this isn't anyone there and similarly the, the confusion for the penalty also arises kind of from the left back area so from that perspective you're thinking mm, yeah actually not so great but yeah that countered by they just couldn't deal with march and matoma attacking in tandem so it's sort of yeah it's, i mean it's actually it's what you get from we desert, battered it's, them it's, right yeah we did that so first that's half the big thing is that is almost that is Roberto De Zerbi's style, in a nutshell. Basically, yeah. having those two, they could not deal with having those two attackers there, and he's obviously decided in thinking who's going to cover at left back because he could have picked he could have picked Eagle there, a left back, 
and had Van Hecker. And he's obviously just thought, you know, our best chance is to, is to outscore them. Yeah. And it, was um, it was really interesting to see Matoma and March there. Considering that they won't have played together on the same side, I don't think at all, if they have, you know, a couple of times, if that, they, they linked up really well together. So it's a difficult yeah, one. Whilst I'm with Craig, I don't really want to see Solly March at left back. But the you know the the trade off is that is that I do want to see March and Matoma attacking together down the same side. So it's sort of a conundrum that you can't have both. You know you kind of can't have both elements of that. But I think we will. Yeah. Over the, you know over the next two months we're going to see March at left back a few more times. I, th- I think we're going to have to. We're just going point. to because um, Lamptey. We know Lamptey's not going to be fit for every game for the next nine weeks. Well, he or, said that, didn't he, in his press conference just yesterday? He just said that it's not worth the risk um, playing Lamptey. But James in the chat um, asked the question, and Craig, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. We've talked ad nauseum about our back four um, and what we want to do with it. Uh, how how are you feeling about Eagle's performance today? Obviously, he went off hurt Um Hopefully, just a minor thing. He's got two weeks to recover at this point, right? But, Craig, how how are you feeling about Eagle's performance today? I like Eagle. Like every time I've seen him, he's been solid. He's he's good with his feet. Um, he's built like a small tank, so like that that also helps. So you know, having a a ball playing centre back that is, you know, built <laughs> built in that way um, and can play, you know, across that back four. Every time I've seen him, he's been good like I, I have no reservations about putting him in um like i keep i'm a broken record but it's, it's constantly changing your center back pairing that is hindering us it's not the individuals i'm happy with dunk i'm happy with van heck i'm happy with igor less about webster but we can uh, by the by right but if any of those three i'm perfectly happy with it, it's just constantly rotating them and, and then having them injured like igor was today hopefully it's nothing too serious um but i thought it was fine uh, i just alongside dunk and again dunk makes everyone look better apart from a manic five minutes at the end of the first half today they were fine absolutely fine well i I think my personal opinion on this dunk eagle and the five minutes of madness is that it was exacerbated by the fact that we are rotating these center backs and dunk filled in at right center back instead of left because both of those times if you look they've switched spots for both goals march is like in the middle of the center midfield for some reason we don't know why that is but like i assume probably because he's he's like he's pressing right like when he probably shouldn't have but the pair of them if you watch both goals back like duncan eagle are on opposite sides and neither of them look like they know what the hell they're doing like they don't know where they're tracking who they're tracking where they're supposed to they're just in horrible spots and I think I know we talked about it and you've just said it again, like rotating these centre backs just isn't working. Like I think you just need to commit to these th- these are the two I'd have at this point, right? Like Dunk, Igor, done. Like you put them both back there. They're clearly very good defenders. Dunk is not a natural left center sided centre back. We don't need to pretend him to be anymore at this point. We we have one. Like he's also, like you say, an absolute tank. So like he can back up the maybe the lack of physicality from a Lamptey or a March playing on left back by force, right? Like for me, like I like I I would be starting Igor and Dunk from now on 
unless otherwise specified. Like for me, like Webster is now fourth choice, fifth really, because yeah. I've still had development over him at centre back. <laughs> and, and, and you need to keep your other centre backs happy, right? So if you're talking about it from a like a, a player management perspective, if you go two or three nil up feel free to go ahead and do that, right? Like, it's more of a case of let's start the game as we should and stay consistent in that way. If you have already won the game with a period of time to go, feel free to chuck Webster and Van Hecker in there because they're more than capable. It's just the rotation that's hindering us. Um, So it's just starting with the different combinations that's, that's getting me a little bit. Do you think it will get better because the more we rotate, the more those combinations will have a chance to play together. Do you think it's just at the moment they haven't played enough together, but it will get to the point where they they are used enough to playing with each other that it will work? Potentially. I mean, these these guys play with each other every day, right? So, like, they're, they're in training every day and they, they must go through this, you know, over and over again until the cows come home. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not exactly a professional footballer, am I? So, it, it, I don't... I just want us to have a settled back four like every other team in this league does, right? So there's there's not many other teams apart from Arsenal right now that are switching their goalkeeper every two games, um, nor is there a team in the league at the moment that is also swapping their centre-back pairing every game, literally every game. So, um, you know, that it is something. There's there's a case there, but obviously it needs must. We're, we're doing it for a reason. It's because we have to, because we're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then Thursday again. It, it, there's a lot going on. As this season goes on, less Europa games, Carabao Cup is done with, thank God. FA Cup, we can take a little bit lightly if we want to. Um, and with the international breaks, for, for once, it actually comes to our advantage. Um, you know, we, we kind of need that extra week at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we've had... So this has been from Manchester United backwards. Uh, we've had... So Marseille, it was Van Hecker dunk at centre-back. Uh, against Villa, it was Webster dunk. Then against Chelsea, it was Van Hecker Igor. And then against uh, Bournemouth, it was dunk Webster again. Then against Athens, it was Igor Van Hecker. Then against United, it was Van Hecker and dunk. Uh, then against uh, Liverpool, obviously, today it was Igor and Dunk again. Um, I went out on a limb to say it changed every game, but it is literally every game. Every single game. There's not a single constant. It, not even Dunk is a constant in there because he obviously had his injury period. So, like, you can't even have the consistency of, as you say, like, everyone looking better next to Lewis because he didn't play. So, like, you've even had that rollout as well. Like, which has been a problem. I do I do expect that now that he's fit and if he remains fit, that Dunk is that constant. And I, I think he, obviously, as our captain, he kind of has to be. But I would I would like that. And I, again, I fully understand the rotation. I completely understand it and get it. Um, but I just need one. <laughs> just one <laughs> constant. Because if it's not going to be the goalkeeper, it has to be someone, right? So it, it has to be Lewis Dunk. We, yeah. yeah, Jason's still becoming... As good as he is with his distribution is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to us in terms of goalkeepers because I thought Verbruggen looked very good today. Like There wasn't really any complaints with Bart at all. Um, the penalty is a penalty, right? Like That's what it is. And I don't expect him to save that goal. That's didn't get a million miles. He, didn't get, he wasn't a million miles away from the penalty either. No, he wasn't. And he's, and he's actually got a decent penalty record for the Dutch 
national team for the under 21s. Like he's actually it was, calm, very, it was very calm on the ball. Like there were a couple of times in the second half where he was under a bit of pressure, being closed down by Diaz, Nunes, and Salah, and he was it didn't look phased. He got out, you know, him and Dunk and Belaba got out in a nice little triangle. So he's got that Bournemouth error out of his, you know, out of the way. And I think, I don't know, it's, oh, I don't know if there's a certain amount of loyalty to Jason Steele, whatever it might be, but yeah. I would. Like I, think, I think that's exactly point. it, frankly. Personally, I think there is a little bit of loyalty. I think that sort of stuff is really important to deserve it. Mm. But I think, I know, I think we talked about in the, one of the very early episodes, we talked about at what point did we think Verbruggen was going to be, you know, the number one. And I think we all pretty much concluded, but by the end of the season, Verbruggen was going to be the number one, but we just weren't quite sure at what point it will happen. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards thinking that by December, January time, I'd like there to be a conclusive number one. I think I think Steele will turn into the cup goalkeeper when the third round of the FA Cup comes in. Yeah, that's kind of what my thinking was. Mm. And I think part of it is, I think you're right, Josh, I think there's a loyalty aspect to it. Um, I think there's an aspect of wanting to reward Jason Steele as well, you know, some of these glamour games in Europe, you know, for someone towards the end of his career or coming towards the latter part of his career, who, to be quite frank, you know, when you watch the Sunderland documentary, whatever that is, four or five years ago, if you'd have said at that point, Jason Steele is going to start in a Europa League game away at Marseille. Um, some people would have carted you off in, in a straight jacket, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, so, you know, there's an element of that. And I think probably it's also not putting so much pressure on what what's Bart, 2021, 20, 22, something like yeah, that, very, yeah. to pitch him straight in. So I think it's more, there's a whole, whole lots of stuff at play, but I think, it, I think the ultimate end game is they are easing Bart towards being number one without putting too much pressure on him at the same time being mindful of Jason Steele. But I don't think we're a million miles away from from Bart being the number one. Yeah, I think so. I hope so, anyway. Um, Half-time comes around uh, 2-1 down after being absolutely dominant for 40 out of 45 minutes. Um, Substitutions made. Harvey Elliott off, Graven Birch on... A uh, couple of minutes later, well, about 15 minutes later, Welbeck on and Van Hecker on for Igor and Evan Ferguson. Obviously, Igor was a was an injury for in Force One, um, but I thought we were. I thought I honestly thought we were the better side, pretty much for 85 out of the 93 minutes. I thought we were much better than Liverpool were. Um, helps that their entire play style is built to press us, which is what we want us, which is what we want them to do, um, but. And he's not my man in the match today, uh, like at all. But like, just every every minute of football that goes by, like I am convinced that like Belaber is just so good. Like he's just so comfortable. Now I don't know whether it's Belaber because I've heard that like on like a couple of the Brighton things, or now Balaba, which is like going around like on all the commentary like that I'm hearing. So like, I don't know, but he was superb today. I thought as well. You can you can tell. I think towards the end of the game, you can tell why Deserby doesn't think he's ready. I don't. I don't. It's a fitness thing. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not his play style because we know how he plays and and what he does. And 
we've already seen how good he can be. It's just being able to do that for 90 minutes straight, which, you know, Caicedo is so good at, just that stamina of being able to be that strong and that willing 95 minutes um, every time. So, but from what we saw today, you know, is exactly what we want. I think everyone knows that's exactly what we want and and he's showing it already. Um, so the the whole... The whole oh, Brighton have done it again thing is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this and until it's dead. But you know we have paid 23 million pounds for this guy, so so like he there's a heightened expectation for me at the minimum is that we haven't got this guy in from Ecuador and and sort of developed him and, and pushed him forwards. This is a guy that needs to be performing now and needs to be performing quickly for me. Um, so it is. I, it's still very good. I'm, I'm not being an asshole. Uh, it's still incredibly good. And him being able to adapt and come in so quickly at 19 years old is ridiculous. But there is a price tag element to that. And and we need him. You can tell today that we need someone like that in our centre mid. Um, and the sooner he gets up to speed and, and gets that fitness in, we're going to be one hell of a team. I think, I'm going to hang my hat on this. I think he has the potential to be better than Carcido a more rounded, an even more rounded version of Caicedo. Well, he's three years younger than Moises. Yeah. And he's already doing what he's doing. So, I think he, that's a fair point. He's more of a Basuma for me than Caicedo, isn't he? I think like, he can do both. I think he'll end up being a hybrid of the two. This I is the classic thing where fans go, do Brighton just have a lab where they just build, like, they just go, this is what we need to build. And, you know, we just put this player together. Like in a test tube. <laughs> no, he was he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, let's talk about a couple of the key moments right at the end there. Penalty or no penalty for Brighton um, with the handball to Van Dyke. I'll be honest. I don't know what the I don't know what the handball rule is these days. So I don't know. I think that's that's what we've seen. I mean, it's it's gone up. It's clearly accidental because it's bounced up off his thigh onto his hand. So I think it's. I'm convinced it's accidental, but whether that tra- whether that actually makes it a penalty or not, it's got to the point where I've got no idea. I've got no idea what the rule should be. So like says, I think it's accidental, but whether that makes it a penalty or not, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think by the rules slash law of the game. In, in the Europa League, that would be a penalty. But in the Premier League, it's not. From what I can gather. Uh, I, believe that, right. I, believe that, I believe that in the English game, if the ball is deflected off of a body part of yours onto your hand, and your hand isn't in, like... I don't yeah. know. I don't think it matters, actually. Like, if it comes off of your body part onto your arm, it cannot be a handball because it's originally hit like a legal part of your body. Whereas in Europe, in the Europa League or the Champions League, I believe that would be a penalty. And likewise, it would be a penalty because that's the handball rule. I don't know what even federation would well, be I mean, ruled, right? Deserby, like, obviously, was annoyed enough about it to get booked for it. So... That doesn't take that doesn't take a lot, does it? Yeah, it well, probably. The breeze would give him a yellow card. Yeah, again, valid. You know, the benchmark I always use is how would I feel if that was given against us? And 
I'd have been furious if that had been given against her. I think that's it. It's yeah. just a rule, isn't it? Like, if if it has come off of another body part and then hit you and the hand is in a natural position, then, yeah, I, I think any team would feel aggrieved at that. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think. I think it's a fair decision. Luckily, didn't matter too much because uh, about 10 minutes later, uh, Mr. Mr. Lewis Dunk giveth and taketh away in this one. Uh, totally at fault uh, for for some of the really poor stuff at the back, um, both today and against Marseille, um, and then pops up with, what, 10-ish minutes to go um, before the end of the game. Uh, Solly March whoops in a free kick, finally doesn't dick around with it, actually puts the ball into a dangerous position. Uh, and it seems like every Liverpool player decided to think that another Liverpool player was going to handle Yeah, that was it. Uh, <laughs> And Lewis Duncan's just there, like, well, if no one else is gonna have it, like I'm just gonna score. Like Yeah, it was a weird we one. We were well back in it then, weren't we? It was such a good it was such a good ball in. And I think basically every no Liverpool player wanted to go for it because they were all worried about scoring an own goal. It seemed to me that you know, the angle of it coming in, everyone's thinking, if I get a touch on this or I try and clear it, I'm gonna slice it in. But the irony was obviously by leaving it, it gave Lewis Dunk it's still a good finish. I mean, it's one of those ones where a lot of the, if this is the good thing is, it sounds bizarre to say it, if that's on Lewis Dunk's head, that's ending up in the back of the North stand. That's not ending up in the, that's not ending up in the back of the net. So it's one of those occasions where it's a good thing that it is. That it's hit his shin or wherever it hit. It's a good finish. It's such a good ball in, isn't it? Like yeah. we're, we're, we're so dire at set pieces that it just, I was more surprised about the fact that we could actually put a decent ball into the box for once. Do you reckon um, that was it? Liverpool players were like, we'll just leave it because they're set pieces. Well, clear, yeah, clearly this, this is just going to... This, this isn't going in. Well, and then it's and just typical Albion fashion. The next free kick from the exact same bit, we hit the one-man wall and it goes out for a corner. <laughs> and I was like, right, we're now back on brand, right? That's just, we've reverted the type. So I think, yeah, the element of surprise that we've actually put a decent ball in is why all the Liverpool players were just stunned and that's why dunk was able to score i'm i'm convinced of it yeah you're not yeah (laughs) it's a good point um agent alexis was in full display today as well wasn't he Uh, i've seen a couple of liverpool games this season and i've always been rather warmed to see how well he's playing he was dog shit today wasn't he absolutely (laughs) absolutely so bad giving the ball i mean if you're being generous, he he recycled the ball well a few times. He started kick started a few attacks, but it's to be honest, it's the bare minimum for what you'd expect for you know a World Cup winning midfielder with bucket loads of Premier League experience. Not he was not good, not good at all. And you know he's such a nice guy that it's not a like I'm not suggesting he threw the game, but it's he's such a nice guy that you can kind of almost at a subconscious level thinking he didn't want to do well against Brian. Him and Deserby were like besties like at full time. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, they were like they loving showed, life, like two best mates that hadn't seen each yeah, other in age, hanging off of each other. Like They showed McCann's getting off the team coach and getting a really good reception as well. Well, he, he basically done a lap of honour at the end of the game. I'd like yeah. if, you, if you kept the coverage on for long enough, like he was walking around with the rest of our, our team. So it was like, okay, cool. I, I, yeah, a, lo- a lovely bloke. Obviously, an incredible player, but uh, he he wasn't he wasn't great today. 
he left in the right way, I think. That's so nice for oh, us yeah. as Brighton fans, yeah. ain't it? Like, because we've had so many not recently. And also, it's just one of those players where it's like I would have him back in a heartbeat. Like, just just because of just his, not just only his ability, but just what he brings, I guess, culturally to to certain teams as well. Like, he just seems like a nice guy and a bit of a leader. So um, he's one of the very few players where. I'm glad it's left on good terms because if he ever wanted to come back, <laughs> there should be there should be a contract waiting for him. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, now we're nearing the end of the game, uh, and we should really be three two down uh, after one of the most unbelievable misses I've ever seen uh, from an opposition team at the Amex. And I think it was Graven. Was it Graven Birch or Sus- I think it's Graven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Once again, Albion were cut apart down the left side. Uh, great ball in. And, I mean, I think Adam said it in the chat. Of like, did we just, like, rip into space and time and, like, cause that ball to somehow, like, move off? Like, what happened? Um, unbelievable miss. Uh, and Jao Pedro goes, hold my beer, fella. Um, I just cannot comprehend how a striker mostly striker right like offensive player he plays just about anywhere up there um but he is paid to score goals right score or create goals that is Jao pedro's job it is astounding to me that a lad of 21 years old 21 years of age who carried watford on his back last year to the velodrome on thursday and calling comfortably, slot home a penalty to take a point away from a raucous Marseille, and then bottle it in front of a North Stand of a Dorian fence. <laughs> With like it's seven yards out, yeah, just. But there's that. I I I love Jao Pedro, by the way, and I we should be starting every game for me, and is one of our most important players for this entire season and beyond, right? But. He has missed a couple of clangers already this season, um, and that one as well. Uh, and uh, there's a there's been a few, right? I can't remember them off the top of my head, um, but he does have a he does have a miss in him. Um, thankfully, he's very good at the penalties, and we seem to get quite a few. And I fully expect us to get a few. Um, but yeah, he, he has a miss or two in him, unfortunately. And what he brings to what he brings to the team far outweighs, you know, those sort of misses. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not criticizing his performances in any way but he he does have a miss in him um he's not as clinical as maybe we wish but if he was he would probably be paying for <laughs> playing for Bayern Munich or something like that instead so I think 2-2 was probably the fair result on balance of everything I agree with Josh I think we were the better team but obviously we got away with we got away with that miss from Gravenbach um but yeah I mean I'd have taken a point before the game started quite happy with the point at the end I think we can probably all agree with that. Um, likewise for the Marseille game, uh, to be oh, clear. Yeah. I, I think two draws is nothing to be upset about. Um, no, and to be honest, and... Tom, you know, after that 6-1, you know, you wanted to come <laughs> back, you know, you wanted to, when you look at it and you go, our next two, our next two in the league are Liverpool and Man City. Um, you know, anything, to be honest, anything above zero points from those two games is a bonus. I know Liverpool are, you know, not the Liverpool that they were a couple of years ago, but still, yeah, yeah, anything above zero Absolutely. points is is a bonus. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and I think someone else said in the chat, James, I think it was said in the chat, like, it's just nice to see that we're not going to just, we're able to come back from behind and actually secure results. Um, and I think, you know, I think he said that like now we've cracked that, we can just, if we can just learn how to play against anti-football, we'll be just fine. Uh, I suspect if that happens and we can learn how to play against anti-football as well, like Deserby will be gone to like Real Madrid or something. And I think that the fact that we are so defensively comical is the reason that he'd still... If he, if he, can, crack, <laughs> if he can crack that in the next three months, we'll finish in the top four. Probably, yeah. Like genuinely, like if yeah. we could, if we can cut out. I even think I'm not even the anti-football thing doesn't even necessarily bother me so much. If we can, if we can cut out being quite, it doesn't. We don't even have to be perfect in defence. If we can cut out even being ever so slightly less diabolical than we are now, we still have a very good chance of the top four. I mean, top five, right? Like that's that's all it needs this year, I believe. Yeah, top five. Yeah, top five will do. We're not going to be a million miles off it. What a wild conversation. Like, it's mad, I, isn't it? Yeah. But you yeah. know what? All better <laughs> off. It's that the whole world has already gone bonkers for the Albion. So, you know. Yeah, true. Do you, do you guys spot Pascal Gross in the first half that, like today, where he just slotted in between Duncan and Igor? Did you see that? Yeah, it's mad, right. isn't it? Yeah. I, I, so, again, I, I mentioned it at the top, but like just the Zerbi trying new things and, and being able to think about other things because this. The double pivot's been found out, right? So, like, it, it's kind of just we need to figure that out against certain teams. So, dropping Gross right back and then having Belieber basically do all of the work <laughs> in centre <laughs> mid is a bold move. But, um, but yeah, it, he's clearly tinkering around with what we have. It was actually being... something about it was something I was thinking about before we started recording, which is that when you've got Gilmore, Belieber, and Gross, and I think we can all agree that those are three players that you'd want to be in the starting 11. Yep. It's very difficult to accommodate. In our current setup, it's impossible to accommodate all three of them. And it's really difficult because you just don't want to leave out Pascal Gross. But at the same time, our most balanced central midfield partnership is probably Gilmore and Belaber. But then... Well, I think the obvious answer is... The obvious answer is you have Gross up top in that central attacking midfield role, if you revert back to the 4-2-3-1 that Deserby yeah. has played most of his career, as opposed to this 4-2-2-2-2 that we're throwing out there right but, now. And I think then, that's... Then you're dropping Ferguson for Pedro, no? Well, exactly. Well, that's then you've the got, with no answer. Fa- you say it's it's really difficult. Lalana seems to have just become a coach these days. I don't think we'll see much more football out of him, to be quite honest. Which um, is fine, frankly, because yeah. he seems to be he seems to be a superb coach. So yeah, yeah. I will I will take that all day. Yeah. Comfortable with that. But yeah, that's the only thing. So it was really interesting that he's obviously trying out as Craig says, he's trying out these slightly different things with Gross, especially. I mean, you it's you can can he can he turn into this amazing could just turn into a sweeper just sitting there pinging balls around. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit under Potter, where on occasion he would have Pascal Gross drop back and he played what I was calling the quarterback role. Like, yeah. he was literally just there pinging the ball around like a quarterback. And it's kind of what I literally turned about. around. Yeah, a little bit. And I, I turned to Britt today when he did it and I was like, he's back doing it. Like, yeah, that's great. Like, I love him in that role because I think he's so good at it. Um, and I thought he was good today. But, yeah, we, we, end, we end this 
period. I'm going to choke. <coughs> we end this period of football uh, going into the another international break. Highest goal scorers in the Premier League still with 21 goals. Uh, and again, only the bottom three conceding more than us. Uh, you can't say that you're not getting your money's worth uh, when you're going to watch a football game with Brighton and Ovalby. I, right? I, I, saw, I saw something. We, on average, our games have 4.6 goals a game. I think it is. Bonkers. So, uh, yeah, money's worth is an understatement. Wow. It's exactly what we were promised under Deserby before he even took the job. Everyone was like, you're basically going to win. You're either going to win or lose every game 4 3. <laughs> there have been 37 awesome. goals so far in our eight games. <laughs> I think they said today was his 50th game in charge, and we scored like there's been like, scored 100 goals or something. It's just insane. Um, man of the match or your. Man of the week, I suppose. Like whatever you want to do. Uh, obviously, Lamptey got yours from yeah, Lamptey, but Lamptey on Thursday today, Adingra. Craig, uh, I'll give it to Belaber today. Like first of first of many, I'm sure it is. But I just think let's see, he's, he's so fun to watch as well. Um, so yeah, going going up against a very good midfield as well. Um, just held his own, especially when he was isolated a lot of the time, and for. For Marseille, it was, yeah, Lamptey. I think you can't really look past it. Um, if Jao Pedro was on the pitch a little bit longer, it would have been him, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Lamptey. Yep, fair enough. Um, for me, I, I'm going to Dingra as well uh, for today. I thought he was just outstanding. Like, I thought he was just so good. Um, like, I just can't believe he's only played so, like, so little football and, like, he's naturally a left winger. And he's been put out on the right to just like see what he can do, and he's just doing whatever he wants out there. Like, like we've just talked about how good Andy Robertson is as like a player, like, and he just ruined him, like rinsed him. Yeah, he mm. was so good. Um, and then yeah, for me, like both fullbacks, I think uh, for Marseille, I thought Veltman was excellent as well. Like, obviously, he didn't have the same impact that Lamptey has and not many players are going to have the same impact as Lamptey when he's on form right like because the just the sheer speed of the lad but I thought Veltman was very good as well like he like Aubameyang is shit anyway but like I've never like Veltman just made him look irrelevant for a lot he barely touched I mean from where we were like I forgot Aubameyang was playing yeah but he was subbed off and that was Veltman's side. Like I thought, I thought that he was very, very good. Um, and I think it's not coincidence that we're talking a lot these days about things coming down our left hand side, and we're not really talking about our right side. Which it's a little bit like when you don't talk about a ref, it's a good thing, right? Like the fact that we're not having to talk about Veltman much probably tells me that he's doing a really good job. Um, and I, I think I would just give it to them both. Really, I thought they were both excellent fullbacks against Marseille. And I just want Veltman to play every game as well. If it... yeah. He's so good, isn't he? He is so good. For £900,000. Let's not forget that. I mean, just like, just today, like when I can't remember who it was, was going, was, I think it was Louis Diaz, like went and like ran at him like one on one. And if he got past him, like that was it. Like he's not going to catch him. Right. And like Veltman, like I think Louis Diaz expected him to just keep backing off and Veltman like took like allowed him to take two touches was like now nah, mate and just absolutely dug him out 
took the ball off him clean as whistle and like put the ball back into transition for us. He was, he's just so good. Um, international break next, uh, Lewis Dunk out to the England games again. Great news for us and Lewis well-deserved. Um, obviously when we come back, uh, we've got Manchester city, Ajax and Fulham back to back, uh, not an easy set of games, uh, but it does get a little bit easier from there. Right. Like, Fulham, Everton, Sheffield Ajax, United. Ajax, Sheffield United, Forest. Like, yeah. then there's a lot. Obviously, the Ajax game is not going to be easy, but like, it's seemingly looking like they're the biggest basket case of the group so far. Like, which is really helpful that they drew say, again. So. That's again, yeah, exactly. Like, we can exactly. we can be well a win against them, and we can be well can be well in it. Yeah, I mean, we've got them back-to-back, right? Like, they're their next two Europa yeah. League fixtures. If we can take six points off of them, like, that's... I mean, we're we're not just well back in it. Like, we're almost there, really, already. Yeah, we are. I'm going to finish on a controversial Europa League theory... Not theory, preference. I would rather finish third than second. You'd rather go to the Conference League? Correct. If you finish second, you get a Champions League club dropping out dropping down mm. right and there, yeah, are some, yeah. there are some rough champions league groups this this year like really like you look at newcastle's one someone yeah, someone like from the PSG, europa league milan newcastle is, like, is gonna have to play one of those yeah like finishing first fine no issue to that but now nah. basically conference league you basically just got to beat villa or have someone else beat villa before we have to yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my. I'm finishing on that. No, I hear you. Um, all right, enjoy your international break, everybody. Um, I'm not even sure who we're going to play this international. I don't break. even know. Do you do have anything? No idea. No idea. Craig, I, I was no, 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 not a clue. Not going to watch it anyway. Um, yeah, I don't really but, care either. Is yeah. the other is the honest answer? I saw. I saw Gross is getting a call up again as well. Um, yeah, which is like Ferguson's again back as well. Yeah. So again, slightly annoyed that they're not going to get a break. Like that's that's the level that we're at now, where it's like yeah. we want Duncan the England squad, but not when we're playing three games a week, please. So yeah, <laughs> um, hope, hopefully it's uh, just friendlies and you give them forty five minutes. But yeah, I, I'm happy for everyone that's being called up, obviously. Um, but yeah, three games a week and then going off, jetting off somewhere to play international games as well can't be easy. Two home games for England, so at least Donkey doesn't have to go anywhere. Uh, Australia and Italy. One a friendly and the other one, the the game that we really should qualify for the Euros in. You'd expect uh, him to maybe Italy. play the Australia game, but probably not the Italy game then. No, you've got to have Maguire in for the Italy game, right? Like, got it. Oh, I want him to knuckleball a top bins free kick against Matty Ryan. That's no, we don't. Means. We want to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> No, against Matty Ryan, we do. We do want it. Friendly or not, that would be excellent. Um, All right, fellas. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. uh, And we will speak to you again uh, in a couple of weeks when we come back from the break for for City Away. (laughs) What a great great pod that will be. So have a good week, everybody. uh, And we'll speak again in a couple of weeks from now. Bye, Sam. Cheers, all.